We're crazy for Swayze. Gonna watch everything he made. We're crazy for Swayze. Then we'll talk about it. We're crazy for Swayze. Gonna watch everything he made. We're crazy for Swayze. Then we'll talk about it. Welcome back to Crazy for Swayze. This is your host, Vincent Troya, and I'm uh, I'm joined by my co-host. And all right, all right, hold on, hold on. Gotta ugh, gotta crack some knuckles. Gotta gotta pull pull some stretches. All right. And today I'm joined by my co-host, my my co my co-host, my co-host, my roommate, the razzle to my dazzle. Josh Young. Josh, how are you doing today? I'm doing so well. You're so excited, and I am here for it. Good. Because I want to watch this movie. Yeah, yeah. We've got a movie for you. A color movie for you. We're going to be watching Green Dragon today. It was released on May 1st, 2001, as a limited U.S., but it was also at Sundance that year. Um, And it's rated PG-13. And Son of a Bitch runs about 113 minutes. And it was released by Franchise Pictures and Columbia Pictures as well. Do you think that Sundance has always been as well-regarded in critical circles as it is now? I feel like 2001 was like... There's a dearth of films. Well, not a dearth of films in general. I mean, like, I'm not worried about that necessarily. I'm saying, like, for indie films and art films, like, 2001 was, like, a big jumping-off point for mainstream acceptance you know mm-hmm. yeah Donnie Darko Donnie Darko was one of them so we like I, I feel like this was like Sundance was was like yes it's becoming more more widely respected so this might be like somewhat of an artful film I believe it will be now this movie is directed by Timothy Lynn Bowie also he also directed uh, Powder Blue and this is a story that he and his brother wrote about some Vietnamese refugees as they first arrive at Camp Pendleton in the United States as the Vietnam War ends in 1975. Huh. So we're going to be getting into a uh, uh, an immigrant tale. Okay. <clears throat> and, and Patrick Swayze, our top-billed character, Gunnery Sergeant Jim Lance, is going to be working on the base that these characters are going to be staying in. Man, I'm kind of nervous. This movie... It might be. It might have aged poorly. Why? It's just like I mean, it's the year two thousand and one. They're telling an immigrant story, and it's by this guy who did Powder Blue. Do Do you think he took much care with the characters in Powder Blue? Maybe not Powder Blue, but like this. This is the story of him and his brother coming here. Oh, it's like his story. Yeah. Oh, I mean, like I'm sure he's telling it from the inside. I'm sure that it's going to be. A dramatic retelling or something like along those lines maybe oh, yeah, inspired yeah. by yeah, sure. but yeah it, he and his brother both wrote this movie timothy lynn Bowie and tony Bowie. oh cool that that's okay great that it might be good but yeah he stars next to forrest whitaker uh he was in the last king of scotland and black panther whitaker watch whitaker watch this is our second film in a row with forrest whitaker how many more do you think we're gonna watch with him in it one tops you think one more yeah, I don't know what it would be. I don't either. I'm just, I'm just, I don't want to, you know, it's like uh, Price is Right rules. Let, okay, yeah, <laughs> let's hope for one more. 
Yeah. One more Whitaker watch. I'd like I'd like to see Forrest Whitaker in at least one more movie. I'd like to see him fight our other recurring actors, Brian. Brian. And Lisa. And Lisa. <laughs> well, Lisa would dance circles around him. Yeah. Otherwise, cage match. Dude. Have you ever seen the movie uh, The Experiment? What are they experimenting on? It's like the prison experiment, the Stanford prison experiment. I think so, yeah. It's it's got Adrian Brody in it also, mm-hmm. and Forrest Whitaker becomes like kind of the de facto leader of the cops mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. in the experiment. Yeah, because he's like got such a commanding presence that she Oscar didn't. fucking uh, actor. Shit. Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, I remember watching it the, for the first time with my buddy Matt. We were fucking chilling, and we just saw Adrian Brody and Forrest Whitaker in this experiment about cops. We're like, yeah, let's watch this. Like, Adrian whatever. Brody was pretty hot for a while. Dude, he was in everything. He was fucking great. Right around when the jacket came out, Oh, right? yeah. Yeah. Dude, I've been wanting to watch the jacket. Um, but yeah, we, we sat there, jaws agape, watching this movie completely, like, pulled in. It was great. Watched it a second time. It was okay. I mean, if you know about the Stanford Prison Experiments, you don't really need to watch it. Yep. Uh, yeah. That, was, that yeah. was my takeaway if I did watch the movie, and I may not have. <laughs> no. Now, this was Patrick Swayze's 23rd film. It came directly after Forever Lulu and before Donnie Darko. So, uh, I think we're going to have some mm-hmm. some depth to this uh, to this performance. That's what he was looking for around this time. Yeah, he wanted to find some meteor roles and really uh, dive into some more emotional territory, and I think that's what we're going to be getting. Like, this sounds to be, like... I mean, the range between Forever Lulu, where he's just, like, a concerned middle-aged man mm-hmm. who's worried about his girlfriend. He's kind of having a midlife crisis about his girlfriend from high school, and then from that to Donnie Darko, like, I'd love to see what he's doing in between. This is gonna be cool. Yeah, I'm really excited. I do have a uh, alternative title. Would you like to guess what it is? Does it still have a color in it? Uh, no, it doesn't have a color in it. But it does still have the word dragon in it. Oh, God. Uh, no, I can't possibly guess. Uh, drinking dragon. (laughs) It's alliteration. Very close. (laughs) The working title of this film was Puff the Magic Dragon. What? That's the working title. Mm-hmm. And I've got a tagline as well, if you'd like a tagline. Yeah. A story from a war that had been forgotten. Now, has the story been forgotten? Has the war been forgotten? We're going to fucking find out. Josh, are you ready to watch this movie? Yeah. Let's watch this movie. So we watched this movie. Josh, how you feeling about it? Feeling great. Feeling like it was a movie that was pretty much what you predicted. Yeah, it was it was very very uh, emotional and dramatic. And I thought that it communicated a story like they said that is, was forgotten, you know? Like I haven't seen a movie about a Vietnam shot like this before. Yeah, this particular story itself would likely be forgotten in the film end of things because, I mean, really it wasn't that exciting, but it, it was a snapshot into something I've, I've not seen before. It, it was, yeah, 
yeah it, it was everything i've ever seen about vietnam was about the actual fighting of the war like in forrest gump and like the, the scenes in the watchman even though that was fake and you know but like it was all really hectic chaotic war like war porn you know and you never really see the the other side of war like these are people who were displaced that we saw a lot of people that were out in this camp that did not want to be there that sure. were requesting be sent back to vietnam and yeah just like how they were dealing with loss and and trauma and tragedy and just like it was all really uh really moving mm-hmm. um i think it was smart to keep it contained as well all to the refugee camp yeah because they're contained so mm-hmm. like that's you should you should feel that way as well yeah o- only one character outside of or excuse me two characters left the base yeah throughout the entire movie everybody else was pretty much all inside the walls and uh you know it was mostly just like tight family drama yes yes it was uh see that one kid's looking for his mom yeah so we're introduced to two kids right away um and their names are min min a young boy yeah and was 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 heen his sister heen sounds right she didn't talk much actually neither of them talked much they don't speak any english but i mean you know there's plenty of vietnamese people around to talk to so yeah they spend some time uh hanging out with their uncle who uh is pretty horny I guess is his thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was, like, not... I don't think he was necessarily horny. It was just, like... He's lonely. He wants to connect with uh, adult humans. Yeah. And the, and it just happened to be that the, the person that he was trying to connect with was, was Babe, you know? Uh, just lucky. Lucky like that. Yeah. So he was well, just, I mean, he tried to connect with two people. Yes. Uh, that lady, who was a babe, mm-hmm. and also Patrick Swayze, who was mm-hmm. a babe. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's no problem with having standards, right? I only talk to babes, unless it's for work. Hey, babes. Hey, babes. I only talk to you. Yeah. So yeah. he's lonely, and he gets employed by Patrick Swayze. Uh, now, you keep saying lonely, and where I agree with you that that is the right term, I think it's important that we describe to everyone that it's not just like... I long for a, a human touch or anything like that. Like, these are people who have been ripped from their home during war. Yeah, their community. Their their family isn't even 100% there. Like, we are following an uncle and, and, and his two uh, kids. Or not his two kids. His, his niece, his and, niece nephew. and nephew. Yeah, and his sister, presumably, is still in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. The kids are waiting on her. Yes. Yeah, try... It was Ty. Uh, he, it was he was um, the uncle, and he was starting to form a relationship with Jim Lance because he could or he was bilingual, right? So Jim Lance is like, "Hey, come work for me. We'll give you five bucks a week." Five bucks a day? No, it's five bucks a week, man. Great. Maybe it was five bucks a day. I think it was five bucks a day, but still. Well, it was, if it's five bucks a day. Dude, it's better than no bucks a day. Nothing to do. No, no, no. I I am not fighting that. The They mentioned that um, minimum wage at the time was 210 
210 an hour. 210 an hour. They can't pay you less than that. And if they can't pay you less than that, then that means anyone can succeed. Yeah, that was the moral of the story. That's what... Uh, That's the American dream. Yeah. Getting paid, Paying people as little as possible. <laughs> I, uh... Yeah. Yes. That is the American... Uh, not the American dream, but, like, the American way. Oh, yeah, especially immigrants. You can pay them as little as possible. Five bucks a day. He's paying him less than the minimum wage. Yeah. But, I mean, he is a refugee. <laughs> like, re- the movie really sets it up. Like, refugee camps are fucking... It's, it seems like it's bad there. And it, then I was thinking about it. It looks horrible. It's not as bad as they are now, though. Oh, yeah. Because these people could, like, wander around and, like, do work and buy things. Yeah, and have, like, their families with them. And, like, literally these people came from a country that we were at war with. Yes. They're not just, you know, it's not like they just had to flee their country because there's civil unrest. I mean, there was civil unrest. Yeah, but we were over there fucking shit up. And then we start fucking shit up, and then we're like, all right, you can come over here. And now we go down to Latin America, we, uh, the United States CIA and shit, we fuck up people's countries, create civil unrest, and then we deny people at our borders and put them in cages. Disgusting. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, 100%. I don't mean to say, like, these these refugees had it good, because they didn't, the ones in the movie that we just watched, but, like, I feel like this movie's more relevant now than it was when it came out, right? Yeah. Because, as far as I know, we didn't have refugee camps in the year 2000 when it was getting filmed. Correct. Or, I'm sure we did. I'm sure, but, I like, from a, 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 war, a country that we were at war with... Yeah, you, we were talking about this while we were watching it, right? This was filmed in 2000 uh, because it came out in uh, early 2001. So, uh, what, what, who were we at war with? Well, you know, when I, was in, when I was in fifth grade in 2000 and 2001, yeah. no, I guess it would have been 2001, uh, we started getting an influx of uh, uh, Chaldean immigrants. Uh, you know, Catholic Iraqis. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I don't know. I don't know if they had refugee camps, but at my school there was a lot of uh, kids that had just come from the desert. Well, at, at that time, like, the Taliban was a thing. Yeah, well, and Saddam Hussein was doing all sorts of fucked up shit over there as well. Yeah. That was like when he was doing gas tax on his own people and stuff. Mm-hmm. So... I guess it could have been relevant around when it came out as well. I kind of feel like it's always relevant. I guess you're right, because this is America. Yeah. And we just, like, fuck shit up. (laughs) But I think this one was relevant just because, like we said, this this shows a side that we've never really seen before. From inside the camp, yeah. Yeah, and being people who who have never been refugees ourselves, like, we've never known this. Never would have thought about it, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that the director... I mean, you know, as sad as it is to say, it's like, it's good that the director knows what he's talking about. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. Him and his brother know what they're talking about. It, it was it was done in a, in a way that it, it was very tasteful. It still had that, like, stink of, like, America is good on it, though, right? It did! <laughs> yeah! Like, even when Patrick Swayze becomes the villain around the end of Act 2... Mm-hmm. He's not really that villainous. Yeah. Honestly, I think I I don't even have notes into Act 2. It kind of just, like, 
pulled me in because it was lots and lots of conversation. Conversations in Vietnamese, uh, so we actually had to pay attention to the subtitles. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, yeah, it was nuanced, and it was mostly family drama, so it's not like we're going to write down all our little notes about what's going on. Well, we're introduced to this other, is he, would you call him villainous character, who has two wives? Oh, yeah. I don't know who that man's name was. I think he was just... Guy he, with two wives. Yeah. I have two wives. Is that... Do you think that that is legal in Vietnam? I think that was high. <laughs> yeah, he was high. Well, that was the the person's name. Um, I don't know what that sounded like. Was uh, he had a wife, and then he left her, or her was like? Oh, that yeah, that could be. She right. was six months pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. And somehow he got another wife. Like a younger, hotter country wife. Yeah, and got her pregnant also, but she didn't tell him that she was pregnant. Yeah. Um, and this was all because... And it may not have been, Yeah, I guess it was his baby. Their, their family, or her family was with them, or something like that. Yeah. So wife number one called her a country whore. And she's chopping up all her clothes and yeah and accused her of taking her womanhood and this gal is just like having the roughest time man Mm -hmm. and uh let's see the 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 country wife she liked the guy who was uh like kind of doing black market goods in the camp yeah duck uh and and country wife her her title is uh second wife that's her name. That is her credited name. Even though she name. has, like, other scenes where she, it, it's not just about her relationship with that guy. So weird. 100%. Oh, I almost forgot about Whitaker Watch. Yeah, t- tell us tell us about Whitaker Watch. Well, he's, like, the cook in the cafeteria. But since it's, like, an army base or a marine base, I assume he's a marine, right? So he lives on the base, and in his off time when he's not cooking, he's making a mural... In the back, like yeah. the stock room. Yeah. Okay. This is. I had a question while we were watching this. All right. If someone is at work, where the fucking find the time to paint if they're cooking for a bunch of refugees? Like, yeah, yeah. That's a bunch three, of, that's a bunch of a people. Yeah. They're talking like what? What? Sixty thousand people there, or something like, or uh, sixteen hundred, or a hundred. Fuck. I think he said Fuck. that they could fit 15,000 people in there once it was fully constructed. And I think that the end credits said that they had moved 60,000 people through or something like that by the end of the camp's life. Those were the numbers I was thinking of. So 60,000 totally moved through, but 15,000 to 17,000, whatever it is at a time. Because at one point he said, I've got 16,000 people here, which would suggest they're above capacity. Yeah. And I got 400 more. It just showed up. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Swayze's uh, main thing, he's mad that people won't leave because people want to hang out at the camp and hang out with their country people. They don't want to get distributed all across the great land of America because, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to be isolated. Yeah. And I feel like that's a reasonable thing. But that was also, I also see where the, he was coming from saying that once you get a sponsor you have to leave because we have more people who need help and we can't help them if you haven't moved forward Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. absolutely um but that was what we were talking about when uh when when he ended up taking try off our uh tay tie what was it 
Ty. When he ended up taking Ty off the base to go to the grocery store and just kind of like show him America and just be like, hey, these are some things that you can, you know, tell tell your friends and family to give them a little bit of ease, you know, mm-hmm. and get them interested in, it, in, in going forward. They, a lot of people were asking questions about like cars and if like specific things were available because he was talking about the grand scope of our like grocery store stores and just like our cookie cutter houses areas and stuff like that or maybe not even necessarily cookie cutter but he was describing it as if it was like a technological marvel that everything's cookie cutter yeah and then someone asked if a specific pepper was being sold at the grocery store and he's like no they weren't there but Pulls one out of his pocket and goes, we have the room to grow them. Yeah, and now you can get those at the grocery store. Yes. So, yeah, it was... I, I, I think that... Uh, I understand because they communicated it well enough that why these refugees didn't want to leave the camp. Even though that they didn't necessarily want to be there, it was still the closest thing to home because mm-hmm. at least everyone spoke Vietnamese. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Uh, yeah, it, at first I was like, oh, this is some weird jingoistic shit where they're like, oh, they don't want to leave the camps. They just want to live off the teat at the government or whatever. And then as Ty kind of explained it a little more, I was like, oh, well, thank you. The movie, This movie did that a lot where it was kind of sparing with the details it makes you ask a question and then it answers it immediately mm-hmm. which makes you feel good while you watch it <laughs> how did you feel about Addie? yeah what was the point of Addie? I wasn't really sure um, we got this opening shot of him working in the kitchen and then we are told that he's like the fixer so if you need anything like a bicycle or a guitar or something like that talk to him mm-hmm. he'll get it for you and then um, but he doesn't int- speak Vietnamese. He does not speak Vietnamese, but it's introduced that he also paints and like draws and stuff so like he's that. He's got that mural up in the back. Yeah, so he starts forming a bond with the boy, Min. Yeah, Min, and uh, Min's not talking to him, but they share the word for uh, mom, right? <laughs> yes, and then that's when you find out that Addie's mom died when he was born, and his father was abusive. And at, at one point, he goes on to actually explain that he has a scar in his hand from his father's cigar. Yeah. Um, so we, we've learned that Addie had a rough upbringing, and then we find out that he's also coughing up blood. Yeah, I mean, that's the fastest way through his story. Yes, he, there's one scene where he coughs up blood, and then the next scene, he's dead, and that's it. I didn't Off even, screen. I didn't even know he died. So that's Whitaker watch. We didn't even get to watch him die. We didn't even know he died. We, I mean, I was we like, both screamed, oh no, when he got up blood, because you know what that means. Yeah, and we're, <laughs> we're sitting there, and the, everyone's starting to leave the camp, and I was like, oh man, I wonder when Forrest Whitaker's going to show back up. And Josh was like, he's dead. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's been dead for a little while, man. It, and was, I was, like like, a, it was seriously a five-second thing where... Uh, yeah, where Swayze explains to Ty that uh, that Addie died, and he might want to give the drawings to uh, his nephew Min. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty much it. But was he the classical trope of the magic black person? I don't know. He would always, or he he painted a mural with Min, 
and they both contributed like obviously different things to it and it it, it just was kind of focusing around a, a, a green dragon so I'm assuming that's why we called the movie green dragon yeah yeah I guess but like what does it mean I don't know part of the dragon was was looping through it, it looked like Vietnam on fire because uh, it was the, the red houses and people laying down in the street and stuff Fair. like that but then there's also near the head of the dragon because that was near the ass of the dragon near the head of the dragon there were like clouds and rainbows and it looked like a woman singing it looked pleasant so maybe the dragon was a metaphor for their leaving Vietnam and coming to America but why was Forrest Whitaker dry, uh, drawing it? <laughs> I don't know. Was he Puff the Magic Dragon? That's my next question. Was he Puff in the Magic Dragon? Well, I'm just saying, if he is the trope of the uh, magical black guy, then he would be Puff the Magic Dragon. I guess. Which is the title of the film, as far as I'm concerned. Okay, well, that covers Whitaker Watch. <laughs> How'd you feel about fashion, Josh? Fashion corner. Um, how about that mustache on our boy? At first, I was not a fan. And then I got into it. It's like a cop mustache. It's not very thick. It's like, a, it's like, it's like 5 o'clock shadow, but only for his mustache. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't even say it's like a cop mustache. I, I would, I'd, I'd go closer to like a, uh... Like a firefighter mustache, yeah, like, real like, tight. Yeah, it's thinner. It's real tight, and and, and it's real square. It doesn't it doesn't pass his lip. A firefighter mustache. Well, yeah, I guess you're right. You know what? You know what I'm trying to say, right? Like yeah. firefighters have a very tight. Um, well, they don't want their shit burning up. Exactly. They their their masks have to be able to seal, so they have regulated facial hair. Mm. So like, I feel like it was real tight. It was it was you know it was very militaristic. Otherwise, he doesn't change his clothes. He's always wearing green. He's got his hat. He's got his aviators. Mm-hmm. I did not places. like his aviators. Aren't they standard issue? No. The the arms on them were straight. They didn't curve. Oh. Yeah. I kind of like that. That oh, makes it more dangerous. No. Yeah, yes. <laughs> because they it makes fly it, off. It makes it more dangerous, but I don't want it. If you sp- yeah, I don't want it either. You spin your head around to fly right off, dude. I bought I bought aviators that curl around my ears so I can avoid that. Yeah, they'll hug your ears forever. The only other fashion corner note I have here is uh, clothes shower. Yeah, everyone was taking cl- showers with their clothes on, and I, we kind of figured that they was because they didn't have access to wash their clothes as easily, so maybe they were doing that. I mean, like, I was just—I was saying that as a joke, but uh, you're probably right. Well, and, and it was also a co-ed shower, and I'm sure that people were covering up for for obvious general reasons for decency. Yeah, and like there were kids in there and all that kind of shit, so people were just showering with their clothes on. Um, Human bodies. Hey. You know? Who cares? I think it was a good way to get around uh, having naked people in your movie. Definitely. And and, and it made you wonder, why are they doing this? But then you're like, like, oh, there are are probably reasons. There's probably more than one reason for everyone to do it. So that's why they do it. And honestly, I've got no idea if that would be like a standard practice in such a situation. Yeah, it could be. I don't know. You know? Uh, I mean... 
Yeah, I don't know too much about refugee camps. I mean, let's see. Was there any other, like, interesting plot stuff that really happened? Mom never showed up. Uh, Mom passed away. Oh, she died off screen. (laughs) Everyone's dying off screen. Yeah, well, because Dad died in the war. Dang, we really fucked up their country. Dude, yeah, we, we that's what we're good for. I mean... We, we fucked up so many countries, Do man. you think this movie comes down hard on whether the war itself was good or bad? I, I don't think it does. I, I think that it did a good job at depicting the emotion felt by the refugees uh, when the war was officially ended... Because they had uh, like the day that that the papers were signed and stuff like that, and you know power was forfeited, like everyone was getting emotional and yelling at the military because they're like, "You abandoned us! You abandoned us! Like mm-hmm. we trusted you! Like we thought you were going to help us out!" And it was very clear that they didn't know how to communicate it. Like I just don't know if that's even like the way to. I don't know if that's the way people were thinking about it. I mean, I guess they, the director would know better than, and the writer would know better than I do. And this was also, it came out in 2001 and it was set in 1975, right? Yeah. So it, it, with the director having experienced things, like he also had 30 years to sit on it. It just seems obvious to me that the United States didn't, help at all except for like extracting people that wanted to be extracted like the united states inserting ourselves into a war has never once been good for anyone correct so like well i mean it's for whoever's uh making money off the oil and the weapons right it's working out for them like whoever uh i mean at one point uh jim lance patrick swayze says it's like right towards the beginning uh i don't know how we screwed it up so bad over there Mm -hmm. it's like we screwed up by going to Vietnam. That was not our business ever to begin with. The reason that I started looking as soon as he said that I started to search on the internet. Why did Vietnam happen? Yeah. And it's like, Oh, the United States, the the quick Google search says, Oh, the United States wanted to stop the spread of communism over from China and Russia and blah, blah, blah. And I had to type the specific words in was the Gulf of Tonkin incident, a false flag to get the facts that yes some of the various details had been distorted around it in order to get the United States involved in in the Vietnam War like we made up a reason to go to a country to fuck up their shit and then we get mad at all the refugees coming over it's wild that that is the par for the course for everything that our fucking uh, (laughs) military does dude it's been like that forever all across the world. <laughs> and then we want to build a wall to keep the people out and put them in the cages. Dude. it's I understand. This movie came out in 2001. I, and the information I'm talking about came out in 2006 to 2009. So I learned this in high school uh, from a very strange teacher. I think his name was Mr. Kovacs. Oh. Yeah, he taught me some weird shit. History teacher. Dude, there was a teacher at my school... That uh, showed me who the cure was, and she was my favorite teacher I've ever had. That's that's pretty rad. Yeah, my creative writing teacher was the fucking coolest. And one day she's like, "Hey Vince, you ever listen to the Cure?" And I was like, "The Who?" And she's like, "No, no. not the Who, the Cure." 
and then she handed me the Curious Greatest Hits CD, and I listened to it so many times. See, that's the kind of music that my mom liked when she was in high school. Dude. So I knew about the Cure when I was a child. I also had a independent lit teacher that let me read Stephen King's It as my my book for the year. Or, well, the semester, right? Yeah. Everyone was supposed to read five books, but since I could fix such a large book, book, she let me just read one. And you just watched the movie? I didn't even finish. I just watched the movie. Oh, my God. I'm sorry for stealing <laughs> the punchline. <laughs> I've read the book now, and I think it's wonderful. I'm No, I t- changed that statement. I don't think it's wonderful. I think it's very entertaining. And uh, there's... A really fucking cool scene at see all right when i say that there's a cool scene that'll never be in a movie everybody thinks i'm talking about that kitty porn side no oh <laughs> well, yeah i'm talking about the turtle well there's a woman spoiler alert that gets blown apart like exploded like as if there's like a bomb in her belly that was really big because at the end of the book the city is collapsing right in on itself and that fucks with the plumbing so a, a jet of water erupts the opposite way out of a toilet when a woman is sitting on it, and the jet is Stop. so powerful, it blows her apart. Stephen King is a fucking psycho. He's a goddamn madman. Like, <laughs> Why is he like this? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why Stephen King is like this, but... Uh, and I and I understand that like when people say, like, oh, people who read Stephen King books don't really have like a high standard for literature and i'm like i might not have a high standard for literature but that was fucking sick reading that i was like oh this is awesome this is so fucking cool it's just a random thing that happens to a random character i loved it i loved it Uh, that's that sold me on the entire thousand fucking page book was that stupid stupid woman i don't know if she was stupid she was probably wonderful but that stupid thing at least he's an artist you know he swung and for you, it connected. Dude. Yeah, it, it was the exact opposite of Cujo for me. Hmm. Well, I mean, we made we made it through the plot, because there wasn't too much plot. It was mostly just like a feelings movie, right? Yeah, it was a feelings movie. Um, so it was an art film, sort of. This was definitely an art film. Like, I mean, there wasn't like too many weird images that just made me feel things, but it was mostly a... A feelings movie. Okay, Josh, you wanna you wanna get in some of the the technical stuff and see what it made? Yeah. All right. God, two thousand. Or or should we rate this first? I mean, it doesn't matter to me. All right, let's go to the Swayze scale. Swayze scale. Swayze scale. Josh, how are you feeling about this? How Swayze is this movie? Well, it's got some. Uh, some patriotism <laughs> mm-hmm. um, no fighting mm-hmm. it's not very Swayze um, think we, of some things that are Swayze about we, it we did get an entire bear man's ass but it was a sad shower ass it wasn't like a sexy ass um, there were no horses but he was being pretty dadly Oh yeah, he was being very paternalistic about the whole situation. He was he was 
giving instructions. He was housing people. He didn't really interact with the children directly, but he was, like, the dad of the whole place. He was the only, like, uh, military guy that, like, had a name. Yeah, and I think he was, like, the only one that was really interacting with the refugees as well. See, like, Forrest Whitaker, Addy, he had a name, and he likely was an enlisted man since he was working on the base. Yeah. But he didn't seem like a soldier. Mm-hmm. Nor did... Well, it was That's a camp. That's why I say, was he magic, dude? Like, like where did he live? What was he doing? I don't know. He's just, like, magically good at, at painting. He can talk to a kid who doesn't speak the same language as him. Yeah. He can just make goods appear out of nowhere. I think I'm more focused on that. I think he goes to the store and buys the goods. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because you know. he can leave the base if he needs to. Yeah. And they have, like, 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 an, like, uh, like a pawn guy there. Yeah. That, uh... We'll, we'll go in and you just trade your jewelry for cash and you can buy whatever you need. Cash for gold. Yeah. So, for the Swayze scale, let's give this like a one. A one? Yeah. I Isn't think, that what we gave the last one? No. Oh, okay. Maybe. Yeah. Hey. Who's to say? I mean, hey, man, we just calls him as we sees him. Yeah, it's not our fault this is not that Swayze. I mean, he's deadly, and there's some jingoism. I'd give it, like, maybe a two. I wouldn't give it a one. A one and a half? Yeah, sure. I don't want to give it the lowest possible rating, because that's got to be reserved for something that's so the opposite of Swayze. Is zero is lower than one. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, it's on a scale of zero to ten. I always thought it was one to ten. <laughs> We can do whatever the fuck we want, man. What if I have an anarchy sign tattooed on my head. You say that at least twice a day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, one and a half on the Swayze scale. How did, how's it rank on the Josh scale? I don't know, man. I have no idea what to even think about it. I'm probably going to give it two out of five stars on the, on the letterbox. Because it like, wasn't a bad movie. There's nothing like wrong with it. It's just kind of slow. Dude, I'm exactly with you. <laughs> I'm exactly with you. Like, everything gets an extra star just for Patrick Swayze, usually, or half a star at least. Uh, I, all the dialogue was very interesting. Like I said, it definitely gave me a different perspective that I never would have thought before. And Ty's heavy accent when he was speaking English, like, made us, like, really have to pay attention as well. Mm-hmm. Like, it was an interesting movie. It just wasn't my kind of movie. I wanted. I, I usually go to things that are a little bit more uh, hammy. <laughs> well, let's compare apples to apples since it's the same director. Is it better than uh, Blue Powder? Powder Blue? Powder Blue. Blue Powder sounds like some drugs you do. Uh, <laughs> I feel like Powder Blue may be better. It was just like, kind of exciting. I liked that Swayze was in a... Uh, a costume for that one yeah, and like did a thing and like uh, dude it's costume for this movie sucked there's, there's gonna be very few things that gets me to complain about fucking jessica beale in that movie she was great yeah nobody turned into performance like that in this movie dude she was she fucking killed it in that movie i don't know this i love ray liotta he's gonna be in the untitled cocaine bear movie what? <laughs> Josh has been talking about this cocaine bear movie, and he had to make sure to tell me that it wasn't a bear made out of cocaine. There is a man who robbed a no, cocaine no, no. guy. No, he was the cocaine guy. Oh, excuse me, a cocaine guy 
hurled a bag of cocaine he, out of an airplane. He was like an ex-DEA uh, agent or something, narcotics agent. And you he, tell the story, Josh. Go ahead. I don't know his name. He's an ex-narcotics uh, agent, and he was flying his plane over Georgia, so he... Chuck, he it was too heavy, I guess. The plane was too heavy, so he chucked a duffel bag full of coke out the plane, and, and it hit a bear in the face. And it hit a bear in the face. I what, guess I don't know. What, what's the name they gave the bear, Josh? Pablo Escobar. He gave like forty bags of cocaine, <laughs> or he tried to before he died. <laughs> <laughs> and he is stuffed, and he's in a museum. You can go see him down in Georgia, I think. Yeah, the guy was a uh, uh, an ex uh, narcotics agent Ooh. turned drug smuggler, and he has like he's named this if you go like, look at the article. This sounds like a DB Cooper situation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, imagine you find the bear, you're like, oh, how did it die? Oh, oh. I'd be terrified. <laughs> Would you take the cocaine? I mean, it's like the I've, bear weighed 185 pounds, so it was only a bit bigger than us. <laughs> I feel like even after the bear would have died. Its heart would still be racing after six bags of cocaine. I think that it died from its heart, like, having exploded because it ate, like, so much cocaine. Oh, man. (laughs) Its eyes were probably completely dilated. I bet they were all black. I wonder what he was doing. Like, you know, like, what he he was just digging in, I guess. Probably reading a Stephen King book and writing one at the same time, man. He wrote six Stephen King books in the 30 seconds before he died. Oh, man. Okay, what do the what do the critics think about this uh, this film? All right, Josh, you want, well, let's let's start let's with the money. Let's start with the budget, and then let's move to the let's move to the ratings. Okay. I don't think that it made its budget back. I well, don't the, know what the budget was. The budget was unavailable. Oh, so it did make its budget back. Uh, the box office opening weekend worldwide sixteen thousand and seven dollars. Oh, no. And then gross worldwide. It costs more than that to make. $281,803. It could have cost less than that to make, but I find it unlikely with Forrest Whitaker and Patrick Swayze in it. <laughs> well, see, this was, this was like I said, it was released in Sundance. And then it was the limited release in, in May of that year. It went to DVD before summer. Okay, okay. Man, so it did was, they like it at Sundance? Do you have any information about that? Uh, I didn't get any information in regards to Sundance, but I did get some regular ratings, right? We've got Letterboxd at 3.1 out of 5. We've got IMDb at 6.1 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes at 61% with an audience score of 51 Amazon at three point, or excuse me, four point three out of five, and that's sixty eight percent five star, three percent one star. Did Roger Ebert watch this movie? He did not. Oh, good for him. I'll take his job on this. Yeah, you hit me with it, baby. Patrick Swayze tries to lead a film that's about Vietnamese people. He does a pretty good job, but. It didn't really keep anybody's attention, uh, including mine. Uh, what one point five stars out of four? We've seen other refugee films before. That was good. A good I, impression. I don't. Yeah, because I, I haven't seen other refugee films, but I imagine Rob, Roger Ebert has. You haven't seen any other refugee films? Lost in Translation. That's a that's a good example. Uh, yep. Uh, Five will goes west. I was gonna say demolition man. <laughs> is it a refugee in the future? Refugee is a class war man. 
Hell yeah. There's no war but the class war. That's true. Okay, fine. I've seen refugee movies. Robocop 3. Uh, Titanic. <laughs> that's, that's that one. I was just fucking around. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm quite. I do have a little bit of trivia for you. You want some trivia? Yeah, trivialize me, baby. All right. Uh, producers had originally wanted... This is from IMDb, by the way. I love that they have trivia about this movie, but they don't know what it cost. Yeah. <laughs> producers had originally wanted to construct an animatronic green dragon, but the idea was scrapped as it was deemed too expensive. And why the fuck? For what? For that scene? I guess. With the painting? So instead of a painter, was he going to be like a, me- a mechanics guy? Like he's got a giant erector set in the back room and then he's building a dragon? Yeah, he's like an artificer from the Dungeons and Dragons. He's making things. All right, that was the first piece of trivia. You ready for the next one? Producers are stupid. I hate them. Uh, Forrest in- Whitaker underwent a minor surgery during filming to have a large series of skin tags removed from his inner thigh. <laughs> I don't even know what to make of that. Why? Why would they tell us that? There's nothing to do with the film. <laughs> I got no fucking idea, man. I got no fucking idea. Patrick Swayze was filming Donnie Darko while he was filming this. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and Ted Danson was considered for the role of Gunnery Sergeant Tim or Jim Lance. Ted Danson? Yep. From The Good Place? Is that what show he's on? Yeah, and uh, Cheers. Oh, yeah. He's like he's like a regular white guy. Yeah. Glasses. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know why we had... Or Okay, did, did Forrest Whitaker and Patrick Swayze share the screen in either of the movies that have the two of them in it? No. They didn't share a scene together. <laughs> either. Either movie by the same director. You gotta keep the Oscar actors away from the chaff, dude. Dude. There, there's photos. Okay, if you go onto the Forrest IMDb... Forrest like, I'll come, but I only want to interact with a child. If you go onto the IMDb page for Green Dragon, right? Oh, there's... Yeah, there's uh, the, stills. The, the two photos that aren't the cover of the movie are of Patrick Swayze and Forrest Whitaker at the Sundance Film Festival. That's it. They met at the Sundance Film Festival? I'm, I'm uh, assuming. Do you think they, they spoke? Do you think they like shook hands and did the bro nod? They were, they were that close to each other. Forrest Whitaker looks younger than he did in the movie. He does. <laughs> it's weird. So what? Swayze. Look at his hair, dude. He's got Danny hair. Dude, they look really cool. They do look cool. They look so cool. For a bunch of... Bunch of middle-aged men, they're like dope as fuck. Yeah, you know. I mean, I'm glad I watched it. I am too. I'm glad for Whitaker Watch. We'll be on Whitaker Watch till next time. Yeah, this was this was fine. I uh, I would suggest it. I don't know necessarily if I know who it's for, but if you're looking for a somber look at what would be a. Uh, untraditional war story I think it might be for people who are anti-immigrant oh that's a hot take that's not a hot take why do you feel that way Josh because it it like doesn't really have an opinion it's just kind of like these people are here you know Mm -hmm. I kind of felt like that was what uh, 
Jim Lance was doing with his photography during the entire movie. Oh, that was the other note that I didn't address, my only remaining note. Yeah. Um, it, it wasn't necessarily trying to say anything specific other yeah. than these are people, they are of, here. You've seen a lot of photos of women. I don't know that that red room, uh, black dark room situation freaked me out, man. It looked spooky. You can't call it a red room, like like it's some Twin Peaks thing. It's it's it's, it's a dark, dark room, room with a red light on. Red, yeah, because yeah, he, he was developing these photos. It, it wasn't spooky. like he Fucking was talking rooms, backwards. Dark rooms are spooky. And asking for his gabanzio. Gar- Gam- Gamborzia. Gamborzia. Gam- I can never say it right. I don't know if I can either. Gar- Garbanzia. Garbanzia. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, Ty said that he, th- uh, in his culture, it's bad luck to have your photo taken. Yeah. <laughs> and then Swayze was taking photos of people without their knowledge. Yeah, left and right. He was just, just like, everybody doot, bad doot, luck. Doot, 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 doot. Getting them while they're eating, getting them while they're sleeping, just getting everybody. I was So it kind of made me think that he was sinister for a moment, but he wasn't. He was just the United States government. I think that, <clears throat> yes. I, I think that they actually painted the government in a better light. Well, at the end of the second act, beginning of the third act... Um, you know, uh, Swayze and his uh, stormtroopers show oh, up, and they Swayze wasn't there. Yeah, he was. Oh, he was. Yeah, they show up and they take away some communists and send them back to fucking. They did not take away Vietnam. communists. They didn't want to leave the camp, oh, so yeah. he was putting them with their sponsors. He's like, "You guys have to leave. We need to get more people in." Isn't here. it funny that I interpreted that as he was ejecting communists? Swayze walks in with his stormtroopers to eject some communists. No, he found them. Fucking sponsors, and he's like, "You guys have to go to your new homes. <laughs> go, can't you see? I don't want you anymore. <laughs> like, you have to leave because the, we have a place for you." I'm man. sorry, you just seemed very villainous <laughs> while they were doing it. So, <laughs> just because it happened at night, and it was, I they did they went about <laughs> they, they went about it in the stormtrooper fashion of of infiltrating, just coming into their barracks at night and pulling people out of bed. So, like, yeah. <laughs> They did it the incorrect way. But they weren't sending them back to Vietnam. I thought that they were. No! You want to stay in the camp forever? Go back to Vietnam. No, that's not what happened. You fucking communist. Well, uh, communism, at least we don't have to worry about that threat anymore. Yeah, we took care of that. Yep, we debated all the communists into capitalists. We debated them. And we were like, you know what, this is the marketplace of ideas. And therefore, if you're engaged in a marketplace, this is capitalism. You've already lost. <laughs> I see what you did there. That was quick, man. That was a little sly. Are you working, are you a government plan? Working for the government? If I start writing for Bellingcat, be worried. Hey, Josh, we, do you, how, how do you feel about this? You, you got anything else left to say about this movie? No, I don't think so. I think I got it all. You got it all? Some photos being bad luck was the last piece. Was the thing that really got you going? Well, yeah. I'm happy we watched this. Me too. I'm happy we watched all of these movies so far. Yeah. And the Renegades. The Renegades. Renegades. Dude, I love the Renegades. Uh... 
We got two more color movies coming at these people, though. Yeah, we do. We do. Uh, so get excited. Color Month continues next week with... Uh, your, right? Yeah, I think so. But maybe we shouldn't say which one. Maybe we should leave this. Maybe we should cut that out and leave this as a surprise. Just cut out. I'll, I'll just put Swayze over top. <laughs> we are the renegades. We are... We're not the renegades. We're crazy for Swayze. And if you're looking for us on the internet, all of our internet handles are at SwayzePod, P-O-D. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, but we don't utilize the Facebook because we don't have the apps on our phone and it won't let us update or anything, so we don't really care. I haven't really tried. Oh, well, I'm not. So that's where we're standing on the that. Instagram is funny though we'll, we'll just post all sorts of shit over there All the behind the scenes Dude I'm posting behind <laughs> the scenes on fucking Twitter too Oh I, yeah great I don't know anything about Twitter You can also email us at, at SwayzePod at gmail.com If you got any Swayze stories or any kind of information That you'd like us to know uh, Yeah Maybe you've got some eccentric media you have? Do you have like a, a, a Swayze song Or a Swayze short film Or uh a Swayze flipbook or something like that that you'd like to share with the world, holler at us. We'd love to share your Swayze art with everyone else. And uh, if you'd also like to follow us on in, or, uh, on Letterboxd, Joshua can be located at Joshua CY, and I'm at Vincent Troya. And uh, you can see how we feel about Swayze and other movies in real time. Yes, real time. A real enough time, at least like a few days after we watch it. Sometimes we have to take a moment to collect ourselves, and other times we forget. Like, I've been thinking about the uh, Evil Dead remake all day and what I've got to rate that. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Well, I think that's it for me. Yeah, I got nothing. All right. Bye. Bye. We're crazy for Swayze. Gonna watch everything he made. We're crazy for Swayze. Then we'll talk about. Tube steak is like a dick. What? What? <laughs> okay, let's talk about this. Tube steak is a dick? Yeah, isn't it? I don't know. Let's let's just I got Google right Are here. Are you gonna Google what tube, tube steak. steak is? Tube steak. The tube steak is slang for come on, click that song, bitch. Hot dog. Penis. Well it says penis and then hot dog, so I guess I was more right. Yeah, Hell you're right. Yes. I guess you're right. We've answered the age-old question, what is tube steak? I guess it's a dick. <laughs>